0: Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy.
1: Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. Well, Super Bowl 44, it's set. It's the Indianapolis Colts against the New Orleans Saints. We're going to take a look back at our conversation with Denny Galati, the Vice President of Creative Development for Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch has won numerous awards for their ads that they run during the Super Bowl. It's called the Ad Meter. It's done by USA Today. And if you want to hear what it takes to make a Super Bowl spot, you're going to want to listen to this conversation with Denny Galati, the man responsible for really overseeing the multi-million dollar Super Bowl campaign that Anheuser-Busch has run over the years. That's coming up in segments three and four. My conversation from last year, right before the Super Bowl, with Denny Galati, Vice President of Creative Development for Anheuser-Busch. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com, link on the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages, my Twitter handle, at sb radio. Well, I'm headed to Los Angeles, and I'm going to be joining the 20-year reunion of Loyola Marymount's men's basketball team. If you remember Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball, Bo Kimball, the guy who shot the left-hand free throw that you still see today during March Madness. In honor of his fallen teammate, Hank Gathers, who died on the court on March 4th of 1990. It's going to be the 20-year reunion of that team. I haven't seen a lot of them in 20 years. And uh, I was one of the voices on radio for Loyola Marymount men's basketball. And I'm looking forward to that reunion. And I'm going to find out what have those players been up to. What's Bo Kimball been up to? What's Jeff Fryer been up to? And I will bring you some of those conversations on an upcoming episode. Of Sports Business Radio. Well, we'll be back with headlines sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out of classroom experiences, including real world consulting projects, study tours and internships with a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career. The Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit SportsBusinessRadio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education.
0: Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian
1: Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Fox last Sunday earned a 33.3 overnight Nielsen rating for the Saints overtime win versus the Vikings marking the best NFC championship overnight since the network earned a 34.2 for the 49ers Cowboys all the way back in 1995. Saints Vikings was up uh, 38.8 percent from last year's Cardinals Eagles NFC championship game and uh, huge ratings in the city's where the home teams reside, so a 63.2 local rating in New Orleans and a 58.7 local rating in Minneapolis, and the 63.2 rating in New Orleans marks Fox's highest NFL postseason local rating ever, including Super Bowls. Now, meanwhile, CBS's telecast of the Indianapolis Colts-New York Jets AFC Championship game earned a 28.4 overnight rating. That marks the best AFC championship game since NBC earned a 29.5 for the Bills Chiefs in 1994. So uh, these numbers are from the Sports Business Daily. Bobby, obviously big, big numbers. I mean, we've seen record TV numbers during the regular season. Great playoff numbers to date, and these numbers, as we just said, uh, you know, you have to go back to 1994 and 1995 to find numbers that were this good.
2: You know, and I really think it all has to do with the storylines coming in. I mean, we all know that Brett Favre takes the Vikings to the NFC Championship, has a chance now to go to the Super Bowl in Miami. You know, New Orleans is kind of the Cinderella story this year; they're really good. We all know what happened with Katrina. We all know what happened with the Superdome. So, I really think that one. You know, was, is the reason why they had the higher ratings. I don't know if there's really a bigger story with the AFC. I know that we had Peyton Manning coming in, and I know that, you know, Sanchez is a rookie quarterback, but I didn't really feel that there was a big draw enough for me to tune in as a casual fan to see that game.
1: Well, Peyton Manning is the face of the NFL. He's a household name, uh, tons of endorsement deals, which we'll get to in a moment. But I think the reason people tune in, two reasons: A, New York, big market, Cinderella Jets. B, Peyton Manning, household name, even your mom knows who Peyton Manning is. Um, The other game, just compelling matchup. You've got the two best teams in the NFC. You've got Brett Favre, who is trying to win his ring at age 40, his second ring. Uh, Drew Brees trying to get his first. You've got all the compelling stories like you just mentioned from New Orleans and post-Hurricane Katrina. So now you look at the Super Bowl and you say, will this be a rating success? I think it will. I don't know if it will be as... Uh, highly rated as if it would have been Manning versus Favre, but I think Breeze versus Manning will get lots of ratings. If we look back, the record rating all-time in the Super Bowl, 49.1 for the 49ers-Bengals Super Bowl in 1982. I don't know if we'll get to that height. Uh, there are some people that think that uh, this may reach the uh rating that the Cowboys-Steelers got in 1996. So, you know, last year, most watched game ever as far as Super Bowls go. So we'll see. Uh, If you talk about endorsement deals for the two faces of these franchises, Peyton Manning makes $13 million a year in endorsements. He's got DirecTV, he's got MasterCard, he's got Reebok. Um, You know, very, very popular endorsement pitch person. For the NFL, Drew Brees only makes about $4 million a year. But also, you know, very well spoken. I've been tweeting lately. I don't know why Drew Brees doesn't have more deals. Obviously, he's in New Orleans, not a huge media market. But I think if Drew Brees can shine in this game and really shine during the interviews, he's represented by CAA and Tom Condon, the super agent. I would expect that uh, there will be some deals To come for Drew Brees, and you look at both of these quarterbacks, you would think that their sponsors are probably going to run ads during the game now that they might not have run because, hey, if I'm Sony and I can run my Peyton Manning ad, I might do that. If I'm MasterCard and I can run my Peyton Manning ad, I might do that, whereas before if Peyton wasn't in the game, I might not have done it.
2: No, I completely agree, and I know that, you know, we mentioned that Brett Favre had the possibility, and I know Wrangler and Sears... And all of his endorsers are probably upset that he's not there. But, you know, you're right. Drew Brees doesn't have enough in terms of endorsements. I know he has the one national commercial with Sparks, the energy thing. But that's about it. But this guy, listen, the guy is a great story. He really should have more endorsement deals.
1: I absolutely agree. If you read the Sports Illustrated story from uh, about two weeks ago, tremendous story. If you haven't read that story, make sure that you read that story. Really talks about the character of Drew Brees. I mean, fantastic football player. But, uh, you know, the Chargers kind of gave him up for debt a few years ago after shoulder surgery, went with Phillip Rivers. Look what he's done in New Orleans. He's been such a great ambassador for the city, as has Sean Payton. I mean, if I look at what players on the New Orleans side or what personalities have the most to gain, I think Sean Payton and Drew Brees have a lot to gain. Reggie Bush, surprisingly, he's got more deals than than Drew Brees does. But, uh, you know, he's got a lot to gain as well. And then, you know, there's some up-and-comers with the Colts, but, you know, we'll see where that all goes. We have all of next week's show to talk about Super Bowl advertising. We'll tell you some of the ads that you should keep your eyes open for that will be in the roster of ads for Super Bowl 44. All right, our next headline, NBC. I mean, they've had a rough last few weeks. First of all, they lose Conan. They've got to pay him $42 million, he and his producers. Then they say, hey, look, not only are we going to lose $200 million on the Olympics, they come out this week and say, well, it's up to two hundred fifty because they're not selling enough ads. Don't forget they paid enormous rights fees to have the right to broadcast these games, and they're not selling enough advertising to get back to it, at least even on that. Then they suffer an enormous blow. When you watch primetime coverage of NBC for these Winter Olympics coming up in Vancouver, you're going to get a heavy dose of figure skating. The most recognized female skater is Sasha Cohen. Sasha Cohen did not qualify for the Olympics, and now she's not going to be participating. You've had ad, ad campaigns that were put together. We've seen Sasha Cohen promoted in some of NBC spots. they got to pull all those now. Big, big blow. I mean, behind... Apollo Ono, she was one of the most recognized U.S. athletes, and now she won't even be participating.
2: Yeah, it's tough when you have athletes that, one, don't qualify. I mean, I, I'm i just trying to think off the top of my head in terms of winner athletes. I know more summer athletes, but, I mean, the only name that really comes to mind besides Ono is Bodie Miller. And we know we're going to see some skiing in prime time, but, you know, if NBC is smart, they're going to show a lot more luge. They're going to show a lot more skeleton, a lot more bobsled. Some of the more other interesting sports, because, listen, you're going to have to find a way to keep people viewing if the people they know are not in it. Well, and
1: the other problem, as we've talked, is in Olympics past, it seems like sponsors do a good job of developing the personalities of the stars that you may not know with these games. So they're introducing you to tomorrow's star that when the Olympics roll around, you go, oh, yeah, I read a story about that person or I saw that person in the ad campaign. And you feel like you know them a little bit. Because ad budgets have been cut so much, you're not getting to know these Olympians before the Olympics. And now NBC doesn't have the luxury of developing those personalities during the games. They're hoping when you tune in, you know who these people are. But because Sasha Cohen's not going to be there, you know, again, there aren't a lot of household names that you're going to know when you turn on the TV to watch the Winter Olympics, and that's bad for NBC. So if you are watching luge or snowboarding or anything like that you're probably not going to know who those people are unless it's sean white or someone like that
2: exactly so maybe now this makes sense why subway has that commercial featuring you know michael phelps swimming to canada because he might be the only athlete that people recognize even though he plays in the summer games
1: yeah that's pretty desperate if you have to pull a summer olympian and market them during the winter olympics because you don't recognize any of the winter olympians you got problems all right our last headline of the week Tom Hicks reaches a deal to sell the Texas Rangers to Chuck Greenberg, and the team president is still going to be Nolan Ryan. He's been the president for the last few years. Uh, Estimated sale price, $570 million. That also includes about 195 acres around the Rangers ballpark and Cowboy Stadium. So, you know, this discussion has been ongoing for a long time. A number of different groups uh, were interested in purchasing the Rangers. I think it's terrific that Nolan Ryan is going to continue to serve as president of the club. A lot of heritage there for him with the Rangers. And at least there will be some uh, consistency between the transition from Tom Hicks to Chuck Greenberg. And, uh, you know, Tom Hicks, he's probably best known during his Rangers tenure. For giving A-Rod $252 million when he outbid the closest competitor by $100 million. That really threw the baseball free agent market out of whack. All right, coming up next, my conversation from last year with Denny Gallati. He's the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch spends more money than any other company on Super Bowl advertising. If you want to know how Super Bowl ads get made and the whole process behind... Getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday, you're going to want to stay tuned to this conversation. Coming up next with Denny Galati from Anheuser-Busch. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
0: or online at SportsBusinessRadio.com. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio.
1: My guest is Denny Galati. He's the Vice President of Creative Development for Anheuser-Busch. He joined us last year around this time to talk about Super Bowl advertising, Denny. Thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio.
3: Hey, Brian. Thank you for having me tonight.
1: So, Anheuser Busch regularly spends more money on Super Bowl advertising than any other company. Denny, explain to us why advertising the Super Bowl during the Super Bowl is so effective for your company. I mean, you guys have done this for a number of years, and it's been very effective for you.
3: Yes, it has, Brian. It's been very effective over the years, and and one of the reasons why we do spend what we do is because. First of all, it really helps kick off our, our one of our uh, you know the, the beginning of the year the selling the beer selling season where we're building displays um, out with all of our retailers right now. Super Bowl, believe it or not, is the seventh biggest selling week of the year for our company, and it's only um, it's the only week in the top ten that is not in May, June, July, and August. So a lot of people may think, oh, the summer selling season, that's when a lot of beer is sold. Well. Super Bowl, there's a lot of displays up, and now we made it a big beer-selling season. Another reason why we do it is because of the audience. There's 100 million people out there that are actually watching Super Bowl, and a lot of them, most of them, are our beer drinkers. They're they're our audience. And so we want to talk to them, and they're they're paying very close attention to the commercials. They love seeing the commercials. So what better... Uh, venue what better program could we have but you know that many consumers paying attention to our ads that are being run so uh, you know a lot of people that you know there's there's questions of what we spent but you know honestly it's well spent because you know we're here to sell beer and we know that the Super Bowl helps us do that so um, um you know it is a big time for us it's a big time to get our messages out about our brands and that's one of the things we're doing in all of our advertising and so um hey, when we're selling beer and increasing our market share, um, that's what marketing dollars being spent are all about.
1: Do you have any way to measure the return on investment from these Super Bowl ads? I mean, do you see a bump in sales uh, right after the Super Bowl? Do you have any way to track that?
3: Oh, sure. The, The week before Super Bowl, the week after Super Bowl with display activity is all measured. And we see such a spike in sales given the fact that in our retail Uh, display building, and we know that all helps sell beers. So, yes, we do see numbers coming in regularly around this time just because of Super Bowl.
1: Now, Anheuser-Busch has the exclusive rights in the alcoholic beverage category for the Super Bowl through 2012. Besides ad time during the Super Bowl, what else does AB get for purchasing these exclusive rights? I mean, I'm assuming you're getting... You know, a suite at the game, maybe some tickets. Is there anything else that you're getting as part of uh, this exclusive partnership?
3: Well, I'll tell you what. Because of the exclusive partnership, we're just getting, you know, focus on our brands and just specifically our brands, and that's very important, um, you know, within the NFL and given the biggest program of the year. You know what else we're getting out at this time is, um, you know, individuals like yourself that are so curious about Super Bowl ads, a lot of PR activity that's happening all around the Super Bowl, and uh, that's one big plug for us as well. Um, you know, with NBC or, or CBS or Fox and uh, the networks, there are deals that, you know, that are struck, and, and those dollars are struck, and, yes, we do have our commitment out to two, uh, 2012, but um, honestly, it is the actual game advertising that we're, you know that really is where our value is and uh, you know for us to actually talk to our consumers given that that program that gets to so many at one time who are really focused in on our message that's the key that's the key behind what we're doing
1: we're joined by Denny Galati he's the vice president of creative development for Anheuser-Busch Denny because you are spending so much money on Super Bowl advertising again more money than any other advertiser during the Super Bowl do you have any say in where your spots run within the game?
3: Oh yes, we do, because we do um, spend you know a fair amount of money during Super Bowl. We do ask that we do get the one A position um, in a lot of our ads that are going to be that are going to be shown on Super Bowl. For example, that day right after kickoff, the first ad on Super Bowl is ours. We also have a three A position and a five C position, which means again during these pods that when you see advertising run. We are in really good position for our ads to be seen when they're run. Now again, in our 60s that we have two of this year, we have a 7AB position and a 16AB position. Again, all positions that we know are, are prime positions within the Super Bowl. But you know honestly, as the games you know the game is played and if the game is close, um, a lot of, of, of the ads that are being played out there by advertisers are going to be, you know, are going to be watched and they're going to be shown. But yes, we do get our fair share and we do get um, you know the um, the first pick of of some of the prime positions.
1: So that's interesting. I mean, if you're looking at this grid here and it's got the four quarters of the game and it's got halftime. I mean, are you more inclined to? Uh, have most of your ads run in the first half in case the game is a blowout and people are tuning out the game in the second half? Is that how it
3: works? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, over the you know the past couple of years, the game has been you know quite exciting throughout, and I think um, one of the things that we're finding is that consumers actually, you know, and 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 the audience watching the Super Bowl are as as interested in the ads as they are the game. So believe it or not, they're going to pay attention throughout all four quarters of what's going on here, you know, if the game's not uh, playing very well, to see how the ads are going. However, um, there is some truth to being into the first quarter, in the first half, and uh, most of our ads right now, most of our time and what you're going to find is that we have uh, we have actually two, three minutes of our four and a half minutes in the first half.
1: Interesting. Hey, let's talk about what goes into creating your Super Bowl ads. How many months in advance do you start... Planning for the Super Bowl ads. I mean, first of all, do you say, okay, we're going to have this many minutes, and then you kind of plan from there and say, well, we need six spots or seven spots, and then you start producing your spots? How does that process work?
3: Sure. It's, it's a long process. It's one that's, um, um, you know, pretty intricate as we go through it. But we'll start somewhere around August um, and start asking the agencies to, to start thinking of some ideas give us some ideas about Super Bowl. You know, We'll give them the brands. They understand the strategies. We're giving them the briefs. Our agencies go through multiple, and I mean multiple, multiple ideas, and they understand Super Bowl is more than than just the average program. They understand that um, they have to be strategic in what we're delivering with our ads, but they know these ads have to be entertaining. They have to be fun, and they have to be to some degree, and, and some of them have a little surprise to them. So they're just a... They just have that. Um, um, the, they're more intriguing, you know, when you're on, you're on Super Bowl. So we're looking for some of that type of creative to make sure that um, we have that entertainment level beefed up at least for a Super Bowl. But again, always remembering that we have a strategy and a brand message to deliver, and we're never going to, uh, you know, comp, you know, we're never going to give up that. So then what we do is we have these ideas that come in, we look them over, we'll go to research and and have these ideas researched, Um, we'll have consumers tell us what they think of them, what are they communicating, how entertaining are they from a script slash uh, storyboard um, um, method and then from there we'll also put our gut into these spots, we'll tweak them, we'll kind of work them, we'll finally get them to a point where we have selected the number of spots that we want. And in this situation, obviously, again, we have uh, a total of seven spots that are running. So, you know, we may do eight spots or, or nine spots in production. We'll go into the production in November, December, um, always looking at different endings and different ways to improve the spots with a multitude of, of different vignettes that make these spots, you know, better and keep improving them and keep improving them until we finally get them to a point where we go to research with the edits uh in January and we may go to three cities in January with the edits and then the consumers will tell us what they like or are what they're getting out of these spots, what they're communicating, the likability of these spots, uh the entertainment value of these spots. Are they Super Bowl worthy? Would they consider them to be spots that are worthy to be on Super Bowl? And so all that is gathered as we're putting these things together and internally talking with senior management and the agency and trying to you know figure out the best ways to um to improve the spots up until you know actually today which um you know I could say that we may be f- final on these spots but we're still working the lineup.
1: So I guess that that's my follow up question. A, you know, do the networks and the NFL require that you submit your spots in advance so they can pre-screen them and then when is the deadline for handing in your spot for the game?
3: Well, I will tell you the networks in the NFL do want to look over these spots, and and they would probably like for us to be, um, uh, you know, in with to them about a week or two earlier than we are now. But we're always, you know, looking them over and improving. And some are done. Some we know that are finished, and 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 they're they're all the way through the process. Others that we feel that they're just not ready, and we're going to work them a little harder. And then we go through the networks where we go through standards and practices and and all the, um, uh, the NBC, NBC folks to make sure that there are no issues on their, on their side. The NFL looks over our spots to make sure that there are no issues on their side. And um, obviously they would like to have that all done, I would say, a week ago as well. But, um, you know, we like to give them a little bit of a, a run for our, our money as well. And so we're, we're pretty well there with the spots. We're done. Um, maneuvering them around. Now, we may, you know, they have all the spots. They may have eight or nine spots that they're holding, of which we have seven spots to run. And we have a lineup that we're ready to go with, but we may tweak it and change our spots up until it's been um, on Friday, Saturday before the game, we've put in a spot. I don't want you to tell them that. They're probably still very concerned.
1: <laughs> is, is there ever an instance where, uh, let's say that uh, the network, this case in NBC, hasn't sold all of their inventory, and there's another opportunity for you to add maybe one of your spots that you thought was going to be left on the cutting room floor into the game.
3: Uh, you know what, we haven't had that. Usually our, our plan of the number spot, just because of the, of the biggest of Super Bowl, we know how many we're going in with, and it's always pretty much stayed at that number. Um, there are opportunities, for example, maybe in a pregame or postgame, that we may have an opportunity to run an extra spot here or there. But generally in the game, um, because of the bigness of that game and the values, they're pretty well locked in before and not giving away anything.
1: We'll be right back with more of my interview with Denny Gulati from Anheuser-Busch. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio.
0: This is Sports Business Radio.
1: We're joined by Denny Galati. He is the Vice President of Creative Development for Anheuser-Busch, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. Denny, let's talk about some of your spots this year. I know you don't want to give away too much, but I know that you're going to run, uh, I think it's three Clydesdale spots during this year's game. And the Clydesdales have really become an iconic symbol, synonymous with the Anheuser-Busch brand. I want to ask you, you know, you don't usually uh, associate Clydesdales and beer together, but it's worked wonderfully for you, and it's, again, synonymous with your brand now. How did you guys first come up with the Clydesdales in relation to Anheuser-Busch?
3: Well, I'll tell you, you know, Brian, you hit on a good point. The Clydesdale are so iconic for Anheuser-Busch. They, they represent the company. They represent quality. They represent tradition, heritage, heritage. Um, Everything about the Clydesdales are so synonymous with the brand Budweiser. It is, it is, it's something about strength. And right now, uh, given our times, and, and times are a little hard out there. There's nothing better than, you know, again, showing the Clydesdales and showing how, how, um, you know, you, you look at these magnificent, magnificent animals, and they, they're just, they're beautiful. But they represent uh, something about our company that uh, just came about over the development of years. Obviously, they were introduced in 1933 at the end of Prohibition, and um, they, they were, um, at that time, um, uh, there was a wagon in 8 horse hitch that went up to, you know, down, you know, r- to visit President Roosevelt and to deliver the first case of beer after Prohibition. Hmm. And uh, ever since then, they just became so well-liked. They've been in so many parades uh, they've been, you know, they've been around all of our tours that people just came up. They love them. They're gentle giants. They really are. They're, they're magnificent, very large animals that just became loved by the, the American public. And it just, it, it, it's an, it's an American iconic um, symbol that Budweiser has picked up, has used over the years and used very carefully because again, they represent um, the tradition, the heritage of our company, and they represent Budweiser, which is nothing other than quality. And, and it's, and it's, there's a reassurance when people see the Clydesdales. There's such a reassurance that everything is so good and fine. And that's what we're trying to display that, that everything, there is a time to laugh, there is a time to feel good, maybe there's a time to feel emotional. And these, these animals help us deliver that, that type of message as well.
1: So the Clydesdale is obviously a big part of your strategy. When you're shooting these ads, uh, I guess opposed to like doing the the What's Up campaign or the Dude commercial where you're using human beings, does it take you longer to produce these ads because you're working with animals? I mean, you probably have to do a few more takes, right?
3: No question, Brian. It takes us a little bit longer. They're very, very smart, but we do have uh, specific trainers uh, that are involved with Helping us, they'll they'll take the seals, They'll look at the script, and they'll they'll before we even go to shoot, they'll go out three or four weeks earlier and train the Clydesdales on specifically what they're going to be asked to do at the shoot. And you know what's amazing is that they are so smart that when they're at that shoot and we have this uh, what we'll call the horse whisperer, this Robin, that he does he does such a great job with working with the seals that it's all he has to do. As they look at him, he says what to do. He raises his hat. He may raise his hand. They are so focused, and they do exactly what he has required them to do. Again, it is just amazing. And you're right. Working with animals is very difficult. Um, They're treated, obviously, very well, better than you and I will ever be. (laughs) But it is a matter when they're out there and they're performing they are so focused in front of the camera, I just don't know how they do it. There's no nerves about them. They just perform. So at
1: the end of the day, they're going to the horse spa is what you're telling they're me. They're going
3: that. to the horse spa, and they're getting the best to eat. I've seen, you know, you'd think a 2,000-pound Clydesdale would have the harshest, hardest time jumping over a three-foot fence. And I, it's amazing how we had, a, we had to do this in one of our spots. He did it so magnificently that... He it was just it was amazing to see. I don't even know how Robin got him to do it, but he got him off the ground and he was up and over the thing three or four times on three or four different times or takes. Danny,
1: just a few more minutes left with you. Uh late night TV host Conan O'Brien. I guess he's gonna be starring in a Bud Light spot for you guys during the Super Bowl. Uh again, talk about the strategy of using someone like Conan O'Brien. He hasn't been in a major Super Bowl spot before, and there's always the question of, you know, do you use uh, non-name actors, no name actors, like you did in the in the dude in the what's up spots, or do you go out and hire a, a Conan O'Brien or a Justin Timberlake or someone like that to appear in your big spot during the Super Bowl?
3: Well, you know, like every year, we always like a little surprise, and Conan O'Brien is one of our celebrities, a talk a talk show host from NBC, who came to us and you know we were talking with and decided that he would do a a spot with us. Actually, um, it, you know, he didn't even charge us to do this spot what what he did say is would we donate some funds that we all agreed to to his favorite charity and we said fine that's great we would love to do it so we came up with a spot with Conan that was perfect for him and we showed him a script because he said hey look if I was going to do it you know show me a script that you would want to get me involved with and we had this spot about Bud Light which we were showing him that his agent comes up to him and says Hey, Conan, I, you know, it, this is a great opportunity. I know you don't do advertising, but what a great opportunity to do a spot for Bud Light. Believe me, it won't get you, it, you won't even see it. It's only going to be shown in Sweden. No one will ever view this thing. Well, that's about as far as I can go with the spot and explaining it, but he does such a great job. It is so funny, and his likeness and having his character, you know, in on it, because he is a celebrity, just gives it a little bit bigger push. But to answer your question, yes, every every year we do try to have a um, a surprise, and Conan O'Brien's another sur- surprise celebrity.
1: So, will he? We won't see his spot here in the United States when we're watching the Super Bowl. It'll only be shown in Sweden.
3: Oh no, no, no! That was what the spot was about. That he, with the, the agent, told him that it would only be seen in Sweden. Little did he know it was it's going to be shown everywhere. Okay. And in and in the Super Bowl, you will see that probably in the second spot of the game. Interesting. Yeah. Hey,
1: last question for you, uh, you know, and I think we touched on this last year. The Internet has become a real big part of the Super Bowl advertising strategy, whether it's uh, companies leaking their spot a little earlier and trying to get uh, a few hundred thousand extra views or whether it's in the spots themselves that run during the game, the company's directing people, a call of action of sorts, to a certain website. Uh, I know you guys use uh, BudBowl.com. Um talk about the internet strategy because that's something that's really changed in the last few years
3: yeah the internet has been a big a big big um uh, you know place for us to actually we we found out over the last two or three years mainly over the last three years that allowing the internet to play with not only what we're doing on super bowl and on that day and on 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 major networks but also playing with the internet just gives it that big bigger part of the uh the venture just makes it a bigger bigger program and obviously the the Internet is getting so large. This year, what we did from January 1 through the 21st, visitors uh, would go to com and they can opt in for a text program to view the secret spot. We have a, what we called is the secret spot, something we would not run on, on uh, TV and something we, we wouldn't want to run on TV. And on January 22nd, the registrants would receive a text message with a code to unlock the secret spot so you could see the secret spot. And um, The Secret Spot is about a magazine buyer who comes up. He thinks he's just going in for, um, uh, you know, to get some Bud Light and maybe some batteries and maybe a magazine that is a little bit off color. And when he does it, little does he know that things are going on there. The the girl behind the, the back doesn't know exactly what she's actually looking for. She's asking the clerk in the back, which is embarrassing him, and then there's people coming up behind him that are his old friends from high school, a girl from the prom, who is virtually just saying, um, "I haven't seen you in such a long time. What are you doing here?" And he's getting embarrassed because he's asked for this magazine. This person behind the the uh, you know the counter is saying, "Hey, uh, is this what you wanted? Is this the um, the type of magazine? This Porno magazine is what you're asking for." And it was, it's just a funny, embarrassing moment that goes on and on and on about different vignettes. And, uh, you know, I could just only, is right now it is on BudBull.com to be opted in, and I would urge all of your listeners to go ahead to BudBull.com and just check this out. It is the, one of the funniest little two-minute skits that um, it's, you know, something that, like I said, we wouldn't put anywhere but Internet, but it is, it is a funny little skit that's a plus during Super Bowl but, again, it just helps us play um, you know, with getting consumers to think about Super Bowl, think about com, and then all of our a- a- B ads will be available for downloads on PDAs, phones, iPods, and com as well. And as you know, these things get viral, and uh, they go on and on and on. So the Internet plays such a big part of what we do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the big difference is uh, several years ago, before the Internet was so big, you showed your spot during the game, and that was the only time to view it. Now these things live on, and like you said, they're viral, and you can get a million or two million downloads after the game runs, and that's really, in my opinion, where you get your, your return on your investment because you know those those views are free.
3: Yeah, so you're speak. right. You're right, Brian, and I'll tell you what. Just think about it. You know, You're getting total focus to the ad when someone's wanting to play it, You know, they're asking for it and want to see it again and play it on the Internet. You you know, you're actually, again, you're getting, you know, you get our audience on that, on the Internet is actually saying, I am paying so close attention to the message that you're giving me right now.
1: Well, Denny Galati, he is the Vice President of Creative Development for Anheuser-Busch. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a very informative, educational conversation for our audience. And uh, best of luck with Super Bowl 43. Hopefully it will be uh, 11 consecutive USA Today Ad Meter Poll Awards for you. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon.
3: Well, Brian, hey, listen, thanks a lot for having me tonight. Uh, I want to say that we do hope it is 11 in a row. And we're going to really go for it. And I know that I was I heard this may be picked up by American Force Network. So yes. I just send a little message out to all of our, uh, all, you know, our military troops and everybody who's out there who's doing such a great job. Thank you for being out there. Uh, it is it is. It's gone. It's very much appreciated by all of us here, not only at Anheuser-Busch, but in this country. And I just want to say a, a, a very sincere thank you for doing your job and letting us have the fun on Super Bowl here and and, and You know, just being able to experience the freedom just because you're out there doing your job. So thank you all very much.
1: Well, and we definitely echo those sentiments. Denny, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon.
3: Thank you very much, Brian.
1: You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach your media coach when I'm not hosting sports business radio I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form new school media coaching new school media coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape whether you're an athlete a coach or a front office executive in the sports or business world we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record and just like any good coach We'll help you practice your new skills, and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, last year, Super Bowl forty-three. Advertisers paid an average of $3 million for a 30-second spot during NBC's broadcast of the Pittsburgh Steelers' Arizona Cardinals Super Bowl. This year, during CBS's broadcast of Super Bowl forty-four featuring the Indianapolis Colts and the New Orleans Saints, prices have dropped for the first time in years. Advertisers are paying between $2.5 and $2.8 million for a 30-second spot. CBS has 62 slots available. Almost all of them have been sold. And like we talked earlier in the show, there are going to be advertisers, especially Peyton Manning's advertisers, possibly Sony and DirecTV, MasterCard, Reebok, that say, you know what, since Peyton's in, we're in. And they'll spend that 2.5 or that 2.8 to get a 30-second spot. Now, there are some big names that are going to be missing from the advertising roster this year for the first time in 23 years, Pepsi is not advertising its soft drinks during the game. General Motors, another major advertiser from previous years, they're not taking part. They dropped out in 2009 because of their financial difficulties. And Federal Express, they also have said they're not going to be advertising during the game this year. So, Bobby, you know, we talk about tough economic times affecting event sponsors and things of that nature. Now we're seeing it hit the Super Bowl ad game.
2: No, we totally are. And, you know, we've talked for the last few years on the show. Every year that price seems to go up for a 30 and a 60 second spot. Finally, the economy caught up and now the prices are starting to come down. Listen, they're still not affordable to the average person or average company if you want to run a spot on the Super Bowl. Because, listen, this is the mecca of advertising. If you want your product to get out there, you buy the time during the Super Bowl and you pray that you have a good spot so people remember your product.
1: But I think the days of a company saying we're going to spend our entire ad budget or three-quarters of our ad budget on this Super Bowl spot, I think those days are over. Unless you're the mega company like Anheuser-Busch, I don't think that you're going to go for broke with this Super Bowl spot because you really can't take that risk anymore. You don't have the money to to kind of uh, play poker
2: with, so to speak. No, I completely agree. I mean, listen, it's just too much of a gamble right now. All right.
1: I want to thank Denny Galati. From Anheuser-Busch, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Follow me on Twitter, at SBRadio. Have a tremendous week. We'll have all kinds of Super Bowl ad information for you on next week's show. And we'll talk to you right here next week on Sports Business Radio.
3: Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses.
1: I'm a big fan of the houses, happy to help them make a difference. He
3: helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times.
1: And everyone can support this home away from home.
3: When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. That participate in McDonald's for a limited time.
0: A little change can make a big difference. Thank you